leaving college is a big change for everyone. I think no one really knows what to expect. You have to be careful getting yourself into a mental trap just because I'm doing a job today that I have somehow defined my entire path to the future. When they have a hundred pictures in a room after they're all talking, they will fight for you over anyone. Taking that insatiable appetite and tying it with what you're really good with. When people live that way, others around you notice there's something different about you. Did you want to be a CEO when you were a kid or did that kind of just happen? It never occurred to me to be a CEO when I was a kid. If a student could articulate that, employers may pass out. Welcome back to Practical Passionate. Today, we have Seth Feingersh, who is all Team Gary V, head audio engineer for VaynerMedia, but started off in a couple different places, worked in the back when, I don't know if you guys will remember the 3D, when 3D printing was all we, we heard about. He worked for MakerBot. Uh, and then he moved into being a content producer slash social media manager for Shapeways to where he currently is at VaynerMedia. And he took kind of a indirect path to get there, to get to his passion-focused work. So we're going to dive into that with him today and hear about something a little bit different from the usual business stories that we usually listen to. I slid into this man's DMs <laughs> to get him on here. Hit him up on Instagram and connected from there. And uh, luckily, he was willing to come on and share his stories. So here we go. Seth, thank you so much for coming on. We are so incredibly excited to have you. Happy New Year. First of all, big year for you, getting married. Can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. Thank you so much for letting me slide into your DMs on Instagram. <laughs> I hope your new fiance isn't, isn't jealous at all for me sliding in there. Um, but I mean, how are you feeling? How's 2019 going for you? 2019 is great, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for asking. I mean, it's it's been 20, the end of 2018 was a whirlwind of a year, so that's just making the beginning of 2019 even that more fun and, and exciting. To start off here, you have a skill set that's directly in, in line with your passion. However, sometimes the things we consider our passion, they remain nothing more than that desire because you know there's the imposter syndrome and there's people out there who seem to be doing it way better than we do, who we look up to. So at what point do we know that we've honed that skill set enough where we can actually make that passion the full time and we've achieved that level of success? That's a that's a great question. So that's that's something that I I think about a lot too. Anybody else that's in a creative field also experiences no matter no matter what point in their career they are, no matter how experienced they are, there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, that's that's something that's like that. I really, really reflect on like I, so I went to school for audio um, eight years ago or so. And like, I, I started doing it for fun in high school, uh, realized like, hey, like I, I like music. I like tech, the technical side too. Like, let me just do this and, and see if I enjoy it. Um, and then I've gone to college for it and then didn't really do it for a couple of years. So when I, when I was able, when I got the opportunity to jump back into it, um, I definitely had imposter syndrome really, really hardcore. Like it really, it hit me hard and I went, oh crap, like do, do I really know what I'm doing? I think you realize that achieve that success in the passion when you, when you start realizing that you know how to do things that other people don't, or that it are, are a challenge for others that you have learned and you, you've studied and you've really, really driven home like, hey, like I'm, I'm actually good at this. And like, this is something that I, I enjoy doing. That's kind of how I see it in a fragmented way a little bit. <laughs> no, no worries. So I think to unpack one thing that you said, it talks about knowing something that other people or the general masses may not know. I think sometimes that area can be divided up based on technical aptitude. So two-part question real quickly. 
was the really like granular details of like getting into the tech something that you were looking for when you were studying you know audio in school and if that really wasn't the case like what pushed you to keep going and like seeing those bites and bits and you knew that there was a bigger vision beyond that there there was no specific really thing i just it was i wanted to know how to do more i wanted to learn more i wanted to figure out how to make at the time it was uh, it was more related to music than podcasting but i wanted to figure out like how this one artist was able to make this guitar sound like this or make this drum kit sound like something completely out of this world and like it all relates to like the music i was listening to at the time too it's just that drive to be like hey this how do i do that like and i know the basic steps of how to do that but like how do i really do that what would your advice be to that young professional coming in? Obviously, like we're so eager to really make our mark on whatever company that we, you know, align ourselves with. But we know that there's a bigger picture, but we still have to learn our skill sets. But right now we're doing the work that no one really wants to do. So like how do we overcome that that gap that always seems to be prevalent with 18 to 22 year olds? By figuring out how to put yourself into a position that you're doing that you can touch the things that you want to touch. So for example, I originally, when I came, when I was looking at, at Team Gary, I thought I really wanted to come in doing video. I, at, my, at the job I was at prior to that, I was working for a 3D printing company doing their social media and they didn't really have any video going on. And I was like, I, I, I know how to work a camera. Like, so I picked up the camera and I started to get really, really into it. Audio at that point kind of had become, I don't want to say it had become second nature, but it had become something that I wasn't mentally thinking about as, I wasn't mentally focusing on as much. I was more thinking about like, hey, how do I make this whole creative packaging? Um, so originally I wanted to be a videographer, but I saw the opportunity of audio opening up and I went, oh, I know that, like I, I can do that. So it, it's just about, it's two parts. It's one, recognize an opportunity that's at hand. Like if, if you're working in a company and you're in accounting, but you wanna be in a, in a creative field and you just see like somebody, something open up in you see an opportunity open up like hey like i can make content just for fun like not as your job but as like a side hustle you take it like i went in for audio and i'm still doing audio and i fell back in love with it but i also do some video on, uh, on the team as well so to go back sense. yeah so to go back to the company you're with previously i was, believe it was makerbot correct makerbot shapeways then where i am now so if you don't mind just take us back to the the start then a little bit leaving college then at MakerBot, I mean, were you like, tell us about the passion in each of these different positions that you've held along the way and, and the evolution that's happened to get you where you are. Sure, yeah. So right out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was super, super lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to be stuck in a studio. I liked being in a collaborative environment. And at the time, podcasts weren't really as hot. There wasn't this chance to work around a lot of people when you're producing an album, it's the same people, you're stuck in a dark studio, it's it's just wasn't an environment for me. So I gained the technical skills that I wanted to gain, but I wasn't able to, to really put them to use the way I wanted to put them to use. So out of college, I worked random jobs here and there. I was a lifeguard for the summer. I bartended at a local bar where I was living. I worked like a, an events company for this museum. Just every little like thing I could do here and there just to like make as much money as I possibly could at the time and figure out what I wanted to do. Along the way, I worked at doing like data entry at the British consulate in like here in New York, which was a super, that was the, probably the most random job I've ever held. I worked in like a red mango. I worked in a Starbucks, just like really, really hunting for like what I wanted to do and 
hoping that it was going to fall into my hands at that point. Like I was looking actively like online, but it, nothing was happening. Um, so I was just searching online one day. I found this company MakerBot that I, I'd heard of. I read a ton about. I was like, I've always been super, super into tech. I like built computers when I was younger. And I was like, oh, 3D printing, that's super cool. Like, I wonder what's going on with this. Um, and it happened to be that they were opening up their second retail store in the town over from where I was living at the time. Um, so I was like, oh, like this could be kind of a cool thing. Like, well, I figure out what I really want to do. Um, so I got a job there. I helped open up that store. I, I loved it. I loved the people that I worked with because it was just, it was such a creative environment and everybody really enjoyed what they were doing too. And that, that helped boost it. Uh, got the opportunity to then move back home to help manage the store here in New York, in the city, downtown. And then once I started getting tired of retail, moved into another role in the company still because I, I was super into it. I, I really, I loved the, the technical part of it and started doing account, like this traveling account management for them going around to different stores that that had their printers in the stores to help them sell. Really wanted to be more local based, less driving, less crazy everywhere, no real like collaborative environment that sort of brought me back to like just being in the studio by yourself and ended up doing competitive intelligence for them, which was something that I knew nothing about, but it was an opening that I saw in corporate that I said, screw it, I'm gonna learn how to do this and take it because I, I like working with this company. Um, unfortunately got caught in around in their like second or third round of layoffs. Like at the time that's right after the bubble had burst. Um, looked at Shapeways afterward, which I knew a lot about the 3D printing industry at that point. I'd really, really dug into it and started doing and came on as their social media manager, which at the time, like, I mean, I, I'm a millennial. I know social media pretty well, but I'd never done something I'd never handled a company's social media before. I'd never really like even been super, super active on my own social media at that point. Um, so they took a chance on me. And I think that that's, that's where I started to take, where I started to gain back a whole creative side of my brain. So I was using, but because I was creating content there and I started creating content there, it helped me just develop back into the like, I like audio, I like video, I like making this type of content. From there, I, you know, through a series of connections, got the opportunity to to head on to Team Gary, and that's uh, where I am now. So it sounds like Shapeways is where you finally started to do passion focused work. But for so long, you were you know working at Starbucks, odd jobs here and there. Like, what were some of those negative thoughts that were creeping into your head at that point? You've got to be feeling like you haven't made it yet, right? And so there's this pressure where it's like you know you have more to give, and you're not you know, you're not giving more. So yeah. like how? Oh, it's definitely it, it's. It was massive. I mean, I saw a lot of my friends around me, you know, in these what I saw at the time is like really successful. And I'm in a Starbucks, like serving coffee, which, which there's, there's no detriment to. And like, now that I have passed that, I can look back and say like, Hey, that actually, I got a lot of skills out of that too. I learned personal skills. I was, you know, face to face with customers all day, every day, problem solving skills. Something that I still think about is the concept of um, leveraging machine time. So like you hit the button on, on the uh, on the espresso grinder while it's grinding, you do something else. And it, it, that sort of taught me speed. There's all these little tips and tricks that I like picked up on while doing this thing that at the time I hated. That I think influenced what I, how, how I work now. So while something's exporting, I'll start on something else. So I'm not just so sitting there burning time. What uh, I, I got to ask, what did you learn uh, being a bartender then? People skills, how to, yeah. how to navigate difficult people, how to navigate complete different personalities. It was a, it was a real small town bar. 
so there's some interesting people <laughs> just it's it was all i mean i think it was similar to, to the starbucks just you got to know people a little bit deeper and you you learned how to communicate with somebody that and create a personal a more personal connection did you have a go-to drink that they came to you for like seth knows how to make this weirdly enough tequila sunrises and wow, the story okay. behind that was like it was my first day I was supposed to be just like serving like water and beer and wine, like things that you just pop open. Yep. Uh, and it happened to be there, there was like an event space in the back of the uh, the bar and it was like an Irish wedding. And one person wanted a tequila sunrise and the bartender was swamped. And she's like, Google it, figure it out. Like learn how to do it. And I like, looked it up and I, I mean, I made it every single time in the wrong glass, but <laughs> the entire wedding then had come back for tequila sunrises like over wow. and over and over. And I was like, all right, like, I mean, like this is kind of fun. There you go, jack of all trades. Yeah. So I do have to ask, like, you know, doing research on you, you have this amazing backstory of you taking someone, quote unquote, an adult internship. And a lot of our mentors that we talk to, it's like, hey, when you get to a certain point, you got to recognize your value. And if a company isn't willing to, to pay you, go to another company that might. But you kind of have a different approach where it's like they're taking a risk on you as well. But I kind of want to challenge you here a little bit. And that philosophy, it's like, you know, don't you think that risk is already vetted once you've gone through the interview process and you've kind of gone through that first, second, third round? And at that point, you've proven yourself. So why do you have to come in and prove yourself some more? That's a good question. Um, I think it very much depends on the opportunity. So, for example, like if you're moving, if you're a barista and you're moving from one coffee shop to the other, that skill is completely transferable. Coming onto the team, there's a lot of different dynamics of working with different people, figuring out the cadence that you can work speed-wise. Every, I mean, if you've seen Gary's content, everything is really, really. We, they, we produce so much content a day, and everything moves so, so, so fast. I understood the need to give somebody a trial run for something that is so tightly knit. If it's something that you're passionate about that you're not currently doing. Or that you're you're doing, but you're not enjoying, and you're trying to move into something else. You sort of have to do whatever you can, like whatever the opportunity presents itself as. Um, it also depends on what stage in your life you're at. Like if I was married with kids, I couldn't do that because I couldn't afford to do that, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a smart move for me financially or just in my life in general. Knowing that I, you know, I I have a at the time a loving girlfriend that supports me and I have no real dependencies on me to live. <laughs> I said, screw it. Like this is the only time in my life that I can take this risk. And still worst case, it doesn't work out and I still come out ahead and I, I figure out what to do next. No, I love that. So kind of understanding the importance of context, but also ego is the enemy, right? Like if you're coming into something, you got to prove yourself. No, so when I was saying that question, I felt myself come off as so entitled. Like I've already proven myself. And it's like it's, it. Honestly, it wasn't an easy decision either. It was it was tough leaving a a job with salary and health benefits for something that I didn't necessarily know was going to pan out in the long term. It it, it I mean it it kept me up at night. It really there was a couple of days and I I just went back and forth and back and forth. And then I you just you have to be really really self aware of where you're at, what you're willing to sacrifice, and how long you're willing to sacrifice it for. If you don't mind us diving in, this might be a little bit more no. of a personal question, but 
I mean, how did you financially afford? Like, did you have some money saved up? Because you know, that is a huge part for some people. If they're in a city where their mom and you know they can't just go back to home to mom and dad's basement, you know, like how do you do it? Uh, yeah, it's some money saved up, but it's doable. And and Gary talks about it a lot. Like, live with other people if you're if you're moving in from out of state. Like, find roommates. I luckily, if if I didn't have a roommate, if I didn't have somebody else splitting my rent, I probably wouldn't have been able to afford it either. Like I could have gone and lived in my parents' house in Queens, but it's not that's not necessarily something I would have sacrificed. Like my my own freedom of where I live for something that I didn't know was going to pan out. Figuring out what you're willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice. Interesting. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. All right. To flip things real quick, I mean, you are working for Gary Vee, so tell us what like has he ever just completely like shat on you? Like this is horrible. And then on the flip side of that, like, what was one of those times where, you know, you got to be a little less humble because you know, he's singing your praise? Hmm, that's a, that's a great question. So there, there's been a couple of times where I, we were supposed to set up a, like a live stream. This I have two actually decent stories. So to set up a live stream and I didn't just, I didn't have it ready in time because of, I didn't prepare in time because I thought I knew what the hell I was doing and I thought I knew exactly how it was going to work and that it was going to work perfectly. And then there was equipment issues that ultimately I could have, you know, solved for by getting ready earlier. So he wasn't super happy about that. He never, he won't just shit on you to shit on you. He'll, if he'll say like, I'm like, guys, we're not doing good at this, like figure it out. And there's another time that again, it's not him shitting on me. It's, it was me recognizing that I really, really messed up. There was an episode of the podcast called brown paper bags i don't know if you've you might have heard there'll be there's two episodes there's one uh the first one was with like mary kate from pure wow and the second one was with another group of people and it was late at night and everything was set up and it was all going really well it's a really really great podcast and somebody clipped on uh one of the people's videographers clipped on a wireless lob onto my cable had i taken the extra time and set up the more advanced system we had so it was running into like a little zoom box like a, a handheld recorder had i taken the time and ran it into something that was hooked to my computer i probably would have recognized that there was some weird interference going on and it wouldn't have wiped the sd card afterward we finished up i was super pumped everybody's really happy i take the sd card I pop it into my computer and like the second that the guy clips the uh the mic on it just everything's gone it's just like static and like blipping and like it just it completely corrupted the card and i i couldn't figure it out i was like crap like what the hell did i do wrong uh and i like looked back to the footage and i figured out that that was the issue um and i was just like i had to own up to it and i like went up to him was like i this happened like we lost pretty much that whole thing like i uh, sorry like and you know he asked like why like what happened do you know what happened i explained and he's like all right like now we know Kind oh, I love you. that. I mean, mistakes happen. <laughs> yeah, just kind of on you not to make the mistake again. I, I, I like that, you know, when you talk about this time of failure, it's okay because it's like, it's only a problem if you make the, make the mistake a second time, right? Right, or if you try to put the blame, like if it's your fault, just own up to it. Like you got to admit it's your fault. Don't try to, don't try to push the blame off into somebody else or try to dodge it. It's just once you own up to it and realize that like it's your fault, then you're good. Any kind of last minute advice you have for our listeners as like looking to take those next steps? What, what would you say to them or your younger self to kind of bring that archetype together? A couple of things that I, that I would definitely say to myself are 
try more things, be more open to to trying to figure out what I enjoy. I think from a young age, I, I knew like what I was interested in. I just didn't know how to apply it. I knew that I was really into tech. I was super into music. I was super into the creativity around that music. And I just didn't know how to tie it all together. My biggest thing, honestly, is try new things until you find what you like. It takes time, man. It really does. I really like... When I got out of college, I really was terrified that I would never figure it out and that I'd be stuck in one in one place forever. I wouldn't have any sort of upward growth. And things just happened. It, it's things take time. It's a huge, it's a huge lesson that I've learned. And I'm young. I'm twenty. I'm twenty eight. You know. Yeah, you're you're twenty eight. You thought you wouldn't figure it out, and here you are, living the dream and like crushing New York as it is. So. Yeah. I I mean I like I. Who knows what in twenty years what my what any anybody's life will be like? I think it, it, it has the potential to take even another drastic turn. What is the goal? What's what's the end goal here for you? I haven't figured it out, honestly. <laughs> it's uh, that's it's something that I ask myself every day. Like I, I, I love what I do now. I, I like to live in the present in what I do now. But you know, I my another huge passion of mine is cars, and it's it's that's a hard passion to have in New York, but. Um, <laughs> It's a field that like I've always dreamed of working in, like automotive journalism or it's anything in, in that industry. So a so. Toyota Corolla or a Hyundai Civic? Which one has a better interior? <laughs> Nowadays, probably the uh, the Corolla is actually the new Corolla is really nice. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> We're a Corolla family, so I've got nice. a little bit. Of, yeah. <laughs> okay, be specific, Rashav, because we're talking like a what a 18. This was like right after the Model T. Uh, Rashav's car was made, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty old one, but it gets from point A to point B, and that's all you need. So I'm not yeah. not complaining on you there. Well, thank you again so much for coming on today and, and sharing your path. I think that in terms of someone that is so young still uh, and who's been able to make those adjustments where needed, making sure that you're getting up and doing something that you care about a little bit. The transitions are very good to hear about, even for me personally, just to know that what you should be taking as important versus what you shouldn't. So thank you very much. Hey, I'm, 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 it was great speaking to you guys. So I think one of the biggest things that I took away from the episode here is when Seth came in and talked about having that earn your stripe sort of mentality. And I think all of us can use a lot of benefit when we have that, even if we've been vetted three to four times throughout a rigorous interview process. Think about how much you're willing to achieve if you just always have that chip on your shoulder. I don't know. I feed off of that underdog mentality when, if, when I feel like the world is against me. Not really a negative thing, but more so like coming in with the mentality that I need to be humble and prove myself of the fact that I'm here to provide value. And I get that, but I'm also happy he distinguished between the, like you don't, free work doesn't need to be done in every industry and in every position. He just talks about how for specifically Vayner Media, it's important because of the fact that they are so tightly knit and they work at such a fast pace, it's important that someone's not going to come in and screw that up, which is why they can't take the risk of going through and hiring someone that might not work out. So I see how it, specifically for him, it was the move to take, but he, he did clarify that, you know, if you have a very direct you know, profession in other areas, that might not be the path for you. It's just, it's up to you to figure out, is it going to be worth your time for the longer payoff? So uh, I liked how he distinguished there. Another thing I liked how he mentioned is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, give up everything for your passion. Like, live on the street. Like, he's like, no, dude, like, I'm not moving back in my parents' basement to, to pursue. Like, I, that's important to me. My independence is important to me. But he still made it work. He talked about how luckily he had a roommate. He could still afford to, to live where he lived. And 
So I liked how he distinguished there. It's like, no, just figure out what you're willing to give up and then, and then use that as your parameters. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends. Our goal is to empower as many young professionals as possible. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and haven't yet done so, throwing us a rating or subscribing helps us know we're headed in the right direction. If this has left you wanting more, visit us at practicallypassionate.com. We've got our guests up there along with links to reach out to them and a place to reach us directly to suggest a topic or ask a question. Either way, we're here to help you on your journey. Again, that's practicallypassionate.com. As always, thanks for listening. This is Alex. This is Rashav.